Welcome to the Chats with Founders podcast, where we dive deep into the ever-evolving world of entrepreneurship, marketing, and AI. I'm your host, Mikey Howe, and today we have a special guest joining us. Get ready for an insightful conversation with Ryan Law, the CMO of Animals, a renowned content marketing agency. AI has already completely changed the game in content marketing. In this episode, I chat with Ryan about what we do about it, how we adapt, and how we prepare for a future in the world where AI and marketing come together. Let's jump into it. Ryan, thanks again for being here. Today, just want to pick your brains, learn from you, and understand all the things that you're thinking about around marketing and leadership around marketing. And so I guess with that, I'd love just for you, quick intro of you, where you are, what you're focusing on, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, always happy to talk about myself. So I'm currently CMO Animals, so I'm part of the leadership team of, uh, yeah, fairly well-known content marketing agency, do primarily like long-form written content. Obviously, I'm responsible for all the marketing and the Animals blog is how most people come across like me and the company. I spend a lot of time trying to understand like the truisms and counter-narratives and, you know, what makes successful content successful through our content. And I've been at Animals for about five years now, joined as a kind of in the trenches content writer, working directly with customers. And I've held basically every role at the company at some point, learned a bunch through that process, as you might imagine. And I've basically been doing some flavor of writing for about 12, 13 years now, since I was literally at university and chugging out freelance blog posts at like $3 a pop. And yeah, really, really enjoyed it and enjoy thinking about where content marketing is heading, because it's a pretty wild time at the moment, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, we were talking before that that's certainly thing I'd love to, to, to talk about with you around AI, particularly in content marketing. It feels like, especially with chat GPT suddenly being in everybody's hands, like what, what have you already seen change in like your day to day? Have you have has anything changed in your the way you work or the way you serve clients by leveraging like the AI tools that are readily available now? Yeah, I think a lot is changing. I think we're starting to reach a point where companies are a bit more willing to talk about how they're using AI. But even until recently, I think a lot of companies have been using it, but in a slightly more kind of experimental, slightly almost secretive way in some capacities, because frankly, a lot of the things that writers and content agencies can do really well can actually be done to a pretty close level of like accuracy and validity using a freemium SaaS product which is like that's crazy that's mind-blowing that's like proper sci-fi stuff and as somebody that's kind of predicated my entire career on my ability to write well I had a few sleepless nights to begin with when we were playing with like the closed beta of GPT-3 and just thinking like what's going to happen like where is our industry headed and yeah, already seeing lots and lots of interesting use cases for it. Some companies are just wholesale publishing a ton of search content with it, almost like verbatim, here's a keyword, write an article for me, let's publish it and see what happens. I think in most cases, they're probably slightly ill-fated in the sense that even if it does perform off the bat without any editing, without any human input, which it might do in some really non-competitive industries, I think there's probably quite short-lived because obviously any company can do exactly the same and you're going to end up with a bunch of very, very similar content. I think what's a bit more interesting is finding some of these kind of like second order or like slightly adjacent use cases 
something I'm really excited about and with playing a bit with the animals and some of our other companies is basically transforming information. So say you have an interview with somebody, there's lots of great information locked up in that interview, but it's actually quite hard to get to. It's quite laborious. You have to read through it in sequence. And actually GPT-4 is great at finding that, repurposing it, bringing it to a different content format, be it like tweets or a database or anything. So I kind of feel like how we all approach content is radically shifting at the moment. And we all have to play with these tools to see how we can use it and where it fits in our workflow. Yeah. I mean, certainly in, in the space with content crew, it's very much repurposing. One of the very specific use cases that I found to be really good is taking a transcript from an interview, which you kind of mentioned, but like recording video, taking a transcript, creating something from the transcript or pulling out the best bits, you know, also distilling down certain insights. Like it, I find that repurposing activity to be really good research and repurposing, I think are probably the two areas that are, are useful. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people kind of talk about, and I sort of tend to agree with this is it's sort of, it, the real benefit is your <clears throat> ability to accelerate what you do. But then when I look at like your blog and the writing that you do, can you create very original content or how do you think about creating original content whilst leveraging a tool like an AI tool? A lot of what we do at animals is obviously like we try to be a bit interesting and a bit different and to kind of surface the insights that other people maybe haven't had. And my first thought was like, how the hell is AI going to help with that? You know, if it's just trained on a bunch of like existing search results or whatever. But I think actually, as you say, like it's not necessarily the writing part where it can be really useful for that content is, is this kind of earlier stage as a we talked about it like a creative sparring partner. Sometimes I'll, you know, I'll put like an outline I've written by hand into it and I'll say like, you know, what's missing or combine some of these ideas together, like give me a new synthesis based on what I've already put in here. And a lot of the stuff it comes out with is like, is nonsense, that like is not defensible. It's just like mad, crazy things that sound like legible. But occasionally it does spark something in your brain. You go, oh, like, damn, I didn't like consider that angle or maybe I should explore that and see what happens. So like, yeah, just having you know, like pair programmers or they have the rubber duck, they talk their problems through too. Mm. I think there's a parallel there, even with like, you know, quite theoretically highbrow, like creative marketing output. I think there's definitely a use case for it there. And, and so there's that, which I, I agree. And I think actually the more you use a tool like ChatGPT in a, in a sort of in conversation, you know, you literally talk to it like it's a team member yeah. and have a conversation. The more you do that, the more I think you feel your way into understanding the value of it and creating value out of it. You, you know, you mentioned at the beginning around some teams will use it as a tool to create, you know, essentially SEO articles as quickly as possible to attempt to rank. How do you see, how do you see that playing out? Because I, I imagine people sitting inside Google right now where all their revenue comes from, well, you know, the way that search engines perform and then the way they create paid advertising and things like that, it, it's, it's going to cause probably quite a few headaches 
in the teams there of like what the, what they do when there's so much content being created and the ability to decipher what is AI generated or not is probably going to be very, very challenging and only going to get harder. So how do you see that kind of playing out from a marketing perspective of like, you know, there may be some quick wins today, but sh- surely that that's not going to be the case for the long term. I, I've thought about this a lot and I kind of realized that a lot of the problems we're kind of starting to experience now on the back of like mass scale AI content generation. So, you know, companies publishing hundreds, thousands of pretty generic faceless articles that generally just, you know, repurpose information that's already out there, been put up by the competitors. That is a problem that fundamentally exists today. Virtually every like lucrative search result you could go and look at all the existing human written content already has that exact same problem. Like basically the classic adage of marketers ruining everything. I think marketers really have ruined a lot of search results because we're all trying to get our companies in front of, you know, the top 10 CRM brand like searches and that kind of thing. So I think these problems still existed even before that, but we're just seeing a massive acceleration of that. Mm. And I know, it's obviously really hard to speculate about what any individual company like Google is going to do, but they have already talked quite vocally about a potential solution to this, a few solutions. One of those is the idea of information gain. So basically, if you look at the search results, there are 10 articles ranking for it, and they all contain basically the same information. Like That's a pretty common like status quo. It's really hard for you, the reader, to know which one to click in. Like It almost doesn't matter. And that is the way search currently works, is it kind of rewards people for doing that. On page text, You, as long as you have enough keywords in there, if you've got like 5,000 words, you're probably going to rank quite well. And if you've got decent domain authority, you're probably going to rank quite well. But what Google has talked about is this idea of actually rewarding articles that bring something new, something different to those search results. If yeah, there are 10 very similar articles and you publish something that doesn't contain any information overlap and it's all new, then actually by the current system, you won't get rewarded for that. But by a new system, potentially you could be. So maybe you refute something that somebody else has said or you bring a new experience or a new story or you collect some original data. I think there's a world where Google will try and reward that. And actually we'll see a kind of slight fragmentation of what search looks like where based on the things you've already read, you'll get recommended different articles as a result. Mm. That's kind of the like most optimistic use case, I think. That would be a really cool situation to end up in, but we're probably going to have a lot of crap in the meantime. So Yeah. And like, is that when, when you think of the clients that you work with day to day, like if you're having a conversation with a client or, or, and talking to them about where to focus energy, what to be creating, like, does ranking in search engines like obviously that's still something you need to talk about like how do you even convince them on or when when it when so few of us really know what's going to happen <laughs> like like presumably ranking for keywords is still something you need to do but knowing that it it's it's going to ch- something is going to change like i don't how do you even manage the strategy with with clients at the moment like it, it, are there questions are these questions coming up and they're like what's going on and, and everyone else is like i don't know <laughs> like what what how, how do you use evidence-based approaches i guess to, to figuring your way through this i had an amazing sales call a week or two ago and 
very, very smart person. They were already getting great results from their content. And they were saying, you know what, I'm thinking ahead. If search does radically change, like what can we be doing now to prepare for that? And I think, you know, obviously marketing, you have to be efficient. You don't want to overspend. You don't want to waste a ton of money on stuff that will never actually like move the needle. But there is stuff you can do now that I think will have an immediate impact for the current search ecosystem and also prepare you for some kind of post AI world. And that's simple things like interviewing subject matter experts, building a network of SMEs, creating and publishing proprietary data, like things that if somebody wants to access that information, they have to come to you and they cannot get it anywhere else on the web. They are all kind of tried and true tactics that work today, given how search functions now, but I think are going to become even more important, you know, a couple of years, five years from now. Google already added an extra, was it, I mean, was it an E or an A? I think it was an E to their EAT acronym to say that experience, like actually doing something is now really important. So, you know, do things and write about that. Talk to people that have done things and don't just be some kind of armchair commentator theorizing mm. about how to do something. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's like everything's changed and everything hasn't at the same time. It's sort of like, it, but it's just more of a spotlight is being put on the way that you should have been doing things all along, which is create value, genuine value for people, document your work and your experience, and then share that with others in a, in a, in a valuable way versus the shortcut approach of I'm going to take these 10 articles that are all how-tos on how to do something. I'm just going to repurpose them so no one can catch me for plagiarism and uh, and then just put it out there and hope that it performs. You know, I, I know that some of the work that we do with, with is, is all around thought leadership. It's like, well, how do you how do you create genuinely original content? If everybody, if everybody's flocking to creating AI generated content, well, really the, the the best thing to do is to to go in the opposite direction, speak as you said to thought leaders and subject matters, capture those insights and 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 thoughts and and perspectives, and then you repurpose that using AI so that at least the source is something current and original and you know coming from 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 real people so yeah i mean i love the interview approach that's something i've, I've always enjoyed from a content creation perspective and and for you guys as a sort of business has anything changed in your approach to growing animals like over the, if you think about the last five years I'd love to understand your perspectives on like what has changed in marketing, what big shifts have there been, and how have you kind of applied them to animals as a business, but also to sort of the, the companies that you work with? I was very lucky when I joined animals because I came from this kind of classic SEO world where I'd been at an agency previously and we did search content and that was basically all I knew how to do. So I was the dude that was out there writing like 10,000 word, like skyscraper articles, like just cramming every possible keyword I could into my content. And it worked really, really well. But when I joined Animals, they there almost wasn't even a, a process for SEO. They didn't even know how to do it. They were getting great results from customers purely on the back of like what we kind of talk about as thought leadership content today, like interviewing people, you know, novel insights and perspectives and stories and this kind of more classic journalistic style of writing. 
it blew my mind because I'd never knew how to do that. And at the time, it was so far ahead, I think, of what other companies were doing. Because obviously, I'd come from like another content marketing agency. And these guys were like, just some galaxy brain different level of function when I joined them. And I think what I've seen over the past few years is actually just catching up to that. Like a lot of companies now, they realize that that is the best way to approach it. You know, it's not enough to share utilitarian kind of Wikipedia-esque information. People expect to get the right answer as a bare minimum. They also want it from credible people with real experience, real expertise. And that's probably been one of the biggest shifts. People don't care as much about, can I get the right answer to something? Because yeah, you can, like 20 companies will tell you that now. They wanna get it from the right source, from people they actually trust and care about. So I'm seeing a lot of companies lean more into building the personal brands of people at the company and, you know, not trying so hard to drag people back to the company blog. They're kind of you know, inhabiting social media and delivering platform specific value natively in those places. Been a huge change in content marketing from, you know, yeah, 10 years ago or so. And even different content formats as well. You know, video, as you, I'm sure, well, well experienced with. People expect video content, even in SEO today. Like that's almost like a table stakes part of the process. Yeah. And is video something that you guys experiment with? Do you create your own video content? Yeah, only in like a kind of uh, small scale way for our own marketing, because mm -hmm. we've had a very, very lean marketing team over the years. You know, Before me, it was somebody who did both sales and marketing. Then I was the one marketing person. And now we at last have two people doing marketing. So we've not done like a, you know, big, proper, legit mm. strategy, but having quite a lot of fun with like talking head videos, you know, if you can just sit down and talk through something you did or an experience you had on like a quick loom video or something like that, actually that's a really useful, really interesting thing for social media. And it allows you to engage with people in a different format from like long form writing. Mm. Yeah. And I think there's the, the also, and I know I feel this personally is this desire to be more kind of omni channel and, and be able to have a system for, you know, recording video and then using that as a, as a, turning that into the social media channels, turning it into written blog content, like trying to do more with less, but still keeping it the quality as high as possible and, and things like that. But it, it, it's always a challenge trying to juggle all of that and create a system that works repeatedly and, and, and things like that. So I also noticed you're an author, a writer, and when did you publish your first book or write your first book? Cool, good question. Maybe like three or four years ago, just like a fun passion project, kind of chipping away 30 minutes in the morning and yeah, eventually managed to get two done that way. And I want to get the third done at some point and kind of complete the loop and yeah, get it out into the world. Has writing a book impacted or informed the way that you work in your like day job? Yeah, good question. I, I always want to say no in some ways, actually. I feel like a lot of what I've had to do as a writer to get better for marketing is to write less like an author. And mm. we see that with a lot of you know great writers that join the company fresh out of university or whatever. And there's all this flowing, fluid, beautiful prose. And you kind of have to say, like, cut all of that out, be as direct and concise mm. and immediate as you possibly can. Yeah. If anything, maybe this was my like outlet for that part of my brain that I don't normally get to exercise at work, I think. 
Yeah, it's funny you should say that. I had uh, one of our other businesses, the cold email studio that does like cold outreach as a service for, for companies. Hiring copywriters for that was always one of my biggest challenges because I would get like these great copywriters who were journalists and worked at great like publications and and you were like oh my gosh like here's a someone who worked at the new yorker and they've written articles and i was like oh this person's gonna be amazing for writing emails for our campaigns and things and then the reality was is that the writing was always beautiful but it, it never had the the scientific element that is required for writing sales copy or marketing copy or or whatever and yeah, it was a bit of a learning experience, understanding, I guess, the how hard it is to be able to blend the skills or the, the differences between writing like, you know, nice long form articles and punchy, sharp sales and marketing kind of copy and the psychology around. There's different psychologies required for both sort of, I guess, art forms, you could say. Cold email is like... That is the hardest type of writing, I think, especially from my experience. And if you look at how, you know, most emails I get from high-powered CEOs or execs or whatever, like it's not 12 paragraphs, is it? It's like bullet points. If yeah. you're lucky, maybe, maybe it's not even, that doesn't even make sense half the time and you've got to decipher and you've got to kind of, yeah, enter that world a little bit and think, right, if they look at my email at all, how can I immediately get the key stuff right lodged in their brain? And that's, yeah, it's a hard, hard thing to do, yeah. definitely. <laughs> Yeah, my I try to limit myself to 50, um, 50 words for a cold nice. email. And so it's not really much, not really much more than two or three sentences. And it's just about establish relevance as quickly as possible and and then sort of a soft call to action so that you know you're not forcing any, you're not trying to take someone's time away. You're trying to give them something that's valuable. But uh, yeah, cold email writing is is an is an art in itself. And yeah, interesting to see how that evolves as a, as a strategy for for outreach. But but go, going back to you and your sort of the other thing actually before I, I move on from some of these things, you I noticed you have a your own course that you you launched as well around copywriting or content writing. How's how's that been going as a exercise to sort of get that out into the world? Yeah, I, I I'm a big fan of like challenging myself periodically, and you know I'd be cool to do this. Why don't I actually do it and sit down and work out what it would be required to actually do that thing? And that was like one of my challenges last year. Like, can I take what you know written words, how I normally teach and engage with people, and actually build a course and elaborate on that a little bit more? And it was a yeah hell of a learning curve. Learned a huge amount from doing that and getting some skin in the game. And it yeah it's done wonderfully actually. I've some four or five hundred people working through it in different stages at the moment and actually hoping to do another one at some point elaborate on some other hard problem in content marketing mm. yeah, it's been a lot of fun very cool how long did it take you to actually record the course itself i it's hard to remember i, I similar way to the way i wrote my book i end up I give myself 30 minutes in the morning to contribute towards whatever project I have on in the process. And then maybe I'll try and carve out like a longer block of time at the end of the week. And just did that for like many, many months, tried to minimize like all the switching costs and that kind of thing. Mm. So it's, it's probably not the most polished course you'll ever see. It's more about like the ideas within it, but people seem to like it anyway. <laughs> no, that's great. I think it's, it's, it's such a good exercise as well to go through the process of kind of distilling down your knowledge and because because I think you learn a lot about 
how you think yourself and what you're actually doing day to day. And, and I think you start to sort of pinpoint and recognize the actual processes that you weren't even aware that you were doing. Um, and I think it's such a valuable thing to do both for yourself and of course, for the people that you're sharing it with. Very cool. No, it's, I think it's great to have these projects and I, I think they're all really, really useful. So are, are there kind of other topics or things that are, are top of mind for you day to day? Like what, when you kind of, where, like, where do you get your information from? Like, what are the places where you pull insights from? And what are the things that you find yourself gravita gravitating towards in the world of kind of marketing and AI and, 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 and yeah, you know, I guess the things that maybe all marketers should or might want to be thinking about right now? I'm a really big fan of this idea of like your information diet and being very deliberate about the information you take in because I think if you default to just letting whatever flows your way into your head then yeah that your thinking is largely a product of the ideas that come to you and the kind of remixing that happens in your brain as you read articles or people say things to you so I think if you want to have better ideas I've certainly tried to curate the information that comes to me a little bit more to be more conducive to that and a lot of that means ignoring marketing stuff actually ignoring content marketing for the most part because exactly as we were talking about earlier a lot of it is armchair commentating from people whose job it is to sit around and comment on things they've never done so a lot of what I do is try and find information ideas writing research from like in the trenches practitioners people that run growth at like you know growth stage startups or researchers in academia and that kind of thing so i have a big old like rss feed of all these like nerdy personal blogs that i've found and been pointed to out over the years and it's really esoteric there's lots of stuff in there that i'd never think to subscribe to and read about and a lot of it goes completely over my head but if anything that's almost more conducive to having new ideas yourself because if you think about if you just read content marketing blogs all day, you're going to sound like every other content marketing blog. Mm. Um, so this sense of like primacy of information, I think is really important. Like go to people that are doing the things, topics you know nothing about and let your brain kind of do some fun remixing exercise and hopefully come up with some good ideas on the back of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And I, and I like the idea of having the mix so that you can, it's sort of the blend of, of, you know, what you absorb, what you do day to day and your own experiences and somehow naturally come together and, and create something that's more original. And how do you actually, because, uh, you know, I've seen the, the content that you're putting out yourself on the blog, which is all really, really amazing, really such good quality content. How, what does your process look like for actually, I guess, ideating planning writing like how far into the future have has is your content kind of roadmap already pre-planned like or are you kind of like going i need to write a post for tomorrow i need to go away and like create it like uh, how well functioning is is your own content marketing machine it's terrible it's like absolute <laughs> feast and famine when i was doing like you know seo calendars for customers you can plan like six months in the future because the primary input for those ideas is a keyword and you can come up with thousands of keywords very easily and as soon as i switched and tried to start writing the type of content that animals used to write for the animals blog it was, oh, i didn't even know where to begin it was so hard like how do you come up with a good idea that somebody has like maybe not had before so i'm basically a big fan of just 
I have a huge database of notes. I'm writing notes all day, every day. Things I've read that were interesting, random ideas I have. Most of it is terrible and never amounts to anything. But if you do enough of it, you eventually reach this kind of critical mass where you look back on a few things that you've written, like similar ideas, and you realize there's some kind of connecting process there. And you go, oh, okay, actually, this could be this could be the thing. So I've got like a whole you know, thousands of words long list of like writing ideas that are in various stages of completion. Most will never see the light of day. Most are truly awful, but there's a few good ones in there. Whenever I find like an interesting framework or a mental model or something like that, I tend to jot it down so I could refer back to it. And a lot of the stuff we write is cross-pollination. Like we wrote a post about the auteur theory of content marketing. So really well-established concept in filmmaking in terms of directors having their own style. And actually the idea of applying that to writing was kind of interesting and a useful thing to do. So it does mean a lot of the time, I don't know why I'm publishing next week and you have to scramble a little bit, but occasionally you do get some, the occasional banger out of that process, I think. <laughs> yeah. And do you, when you think about writing, are you very much, and, and this is, I think, the thing that people struggle with a little bit, and, or maybe I struggle with it, is if you're creating content, you're trying to create something that's interesting and valuable and insightful. But at the end of the day, you're also just, you also need people to read it and for it to deliver some sort of ROI for the business. Like, how much does that play into your thinking? Or do you try to sort of keep those two things apart, focus on creating valuable, creative, interesting, and then just the assumption is that that will naturally lead to some sort of business down the line. How do you think about that for generating essentially, I suppose, sales? I probably came at it from the other way around, if anything. So to start with, yeah, loads of things that I'd find interesting, but would probably nobody else would ever care about. And a really good starting point for getting writing, I was basically just taking sales calls, talking to customers, and they'd have a question and I'd try and answer it within the context of my work. And if it came up once or twice, maybe I'd try and document that process. So a lot of the content on the animals blog is actually quite simple in that regard. It's just, how would you do X thing? How would you do Y thing? What have you seen work in this instance? But as you do that a bit more, you kind of, you get better at having a, an intuition and a sense of which of those things are actually really interesting and which are worthwhile. And how can you frame them to be slightly more interesting? Like a lot of the content has performed really well and has really interesting like novel hooks, like auteur theory and that kind of thing. They're fundamentally just answer, answering very, very simple, very basic, very boring questions about content marketing, but you've kind of elevated a bit by attaching some kind of higher level framework to make it yeah more interesting to people. So generally, yeah, whenever, if you feel stuck, just go and talk to a bunch of people, work out what problems they're having, try and answer them. And that's generally a good source of inspiration, I find. Got it. So, I mean, would you say that a lot of your blog content is, whilst not immediately obvious, but a lot of it is actually answering questions that you know the people that you're speaking to most of the time are asking? Yeah, exactly that. One of the articles I wrote that did the best and still has like some longevity was about the idea of copycat content. Mm. And that came from a bunch of customers saying like, you know, how do we, all the search results all look the same. How can we do something different? And that was a conversation I was having all day, every day. Like, how do we stand out from this homogenous content? And you can write that 
as a, a question and answer, and that's great. But what's really valuable then is to kind of zoom out a bit and go, okay, what is the the broader framework, the broader kind of macro environment that's causing that to be a problem? Can we understand that a little bit more and connect it back to some principle? And it's the whole kind of teaching people to fish instead of fishing for them thing. Mm. It, yeah, if I'm doing my job right, everything we write should be anchored in some kind of customer challenge that we've helped them to solve. Got it. And a lot of the people that I suppose in our audience or that we're speaking to that will probably be be watching this are often sort of early stage founders. Maybe they raise money and they don't yet have any marketing or sales probably. Like they're very much in product development mode and now they're just starting to go, right, we're nearly at a stage where we can bring in some first customers. We want to start putting content out into the world. I, what's sort of your advice for somebody to efficiently approach the process of creating content? And, and I guess as part of that, one of the things I think people struggle with a lot is that when they're starting to do something and they don't have a marketing team or they're just about to hire someone or get their first marketing person or hire an agency or whatever, but maybe not so much an agency, but I think one of the biggest struggles that I see and hear from people is their ability to stay consistent and the discipline to keep keep the machine running. So I guess what would be your advice to people starting out and to start, where to start and how to keep it going so they don't sort of quit before they've ever realized any gain? I love that question. I think a really good thing to do is to not think of it through the lens of content marketing mm. because it's very easy to get sucked into this trap of like have to publish for a month and we have to target keywords and in almost all cases for an early stage startup that's too expensive and too divorced from the thing they need to do which is just generate revenue like support sales right now so actually I, that would be my advice is stick as close as you can to the things that make you money right now so we've worked with customers in this situation and we help them write their manifesto. Like, why does your company exist? What is the thing that you do differently to other companies? And maybe they've got that in a pitch deck and maybe it's in their founders' heads, but actually putting it down long form, such a valuable thing to do. It helps all the conversations they have with like prospects, with new hires even, like such a useful exercise. And then beyond that, look at your sales conversations. You as a founder, you're probably running like, you know, hopefully half a dozen a day or something like that. What are the questions that keep cropping up? Make your life easier by writing the answer to those. Mm. So you can cross-reference it. And you know what? There are probably other people that are having that problem as well. So if you publish that somewhere on the website, there's a good chance that will eventually become like a lead generation mechanism for you as well. And if you think about it that way, like forget all the rigmarole of traditional content marketing, you just solve sales problems. I think that's probably the most like credible and tenable use of content to begin with mm. it should feel like an, an immediate help to you and not something that might pay off six months from now yeah and I, I a small tactical point and we mentioned this right at the beginning now i'm recording this using grain <clears throat> not that i'm a, a grain kind of i don't get a commission for for boosting their sales but i always say like record every conversation every sales call, every marketing call, every team call, record every single conversation because already 
like using AI, there are ways to very quickly repurpose those questions and answers that you're already sharing in the calls themselves. It's just, and it's only a matter of time before the AI will be even better and you'll be able to just literally share every link of every conversation you've had and it'll just be able to pull all those questions and all your answers and create nicely crafted sort of answers to those questions. Obviously you want to, you know, from an efficiency perspective, there's the basics of just questions and answers, but then threading those answers into better blog posts, better content, themes, things like that will, will be the sort of stage beyond that. But I love the, the you mentioned that sort of framework of seeing it through the eyes of, of the work or thinking about it through the work that you're already doing, the problems you're already solving and answering, answering those questions. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So we mentioned, I asked you a bit about, and I'm conscious of time here. Have you got a few more minutes? Yeah, yeah, sure thing. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to go go on too long. But we we met, I meant asked you a question about where you get your information from, the people that you admire, things like that. Are there any specific people, whether it's content marketers or writers or or anyone that you gravitate towards, where you're sort of like these are my virtual mentors? Like, do you do you have some obvious ones that you could share? Well, so when I think of mentorship, Jimmy Daly, the guy that used to be my first manager at Animals, he created the Animals blog from scratch. He now runs a like content community called Superpath. Like, yeah, I've okay. learned so much from him. I'm probably a pale imitation of that dude, to be honest. So he's like the first port of call there. And I don't, I don't like following many marketers because uh, for all the reasons I said, but some marketers I do follow, like Amanda Natividad at Spark Toro. She is such an incredible example of being able to be a human being and actually use that as a marketing tool. Like mm. it, it sounds cynical, but it's totally not. She is like herself fully present online and she's incredibly helpful with the content she shares. I will never be as good at marketing as she is. And she, yeah, there's a lot to be learned from what she does there. And then there's a bunch of like people I've never met, but I followed their work online for years. People like Eugene Way, for example, a lot of people that were early hires at companies like Pinterest or whatever. And, learning from their essays about you know why why the company grew what were the growth loops like there's so much information in there to learn about how startups grow and function that like i could just reread those essays all day every day there's wonderful wonderful things <laughs> that's amazing and just last last couple of questions I, I i do want to be conscious of your time you already have a sort of marketing superpower which is your ability to write really well if you had another marketing superpower something that you either aspire to be good at or that you wish you could be better at or something that you're not really doing much today what what would that be i actually i kind of suck at repurposing content this is a big weakness of mine actually i always get kind of shiny object syndrome i work on this amazing idea and it's out in the world i'm like right bored of that move on to the next thing but good ideas are actually really, really freaking hard to come up with. So I, I need to get much better at being able to beat that drum over and over for that one idea. Because what are the odds of you know people seeing that one tweet I did about it? Like pretty slim. Um, so if I could, I'd make myself way better at that. I'd become the world's most prolific like content distributor and repurposer. That'd be yeah. pretty handy. I do think it is. It is a. It, I probably share that superpower. It's something I'm trying 
to be better at and and be have more be more systematized but only because i know the value of it and and with attention being so what what feels so much harder to get in this world and you're so you know just thinking about social media side of things the chance of you putting up a post and even your own followers seeing it is so low that you have to be sharing so frequently and almost repeating yourself in different ways across every channel every day over and over again just so that the people that will follow you can see it that's the i mean that's actually one of the beauties of a newsletter is that you always know your followers will get will get it whether or not yeah. they'll see it or read it is another thing but you know they've been delivered it you know that there's a chance that they might read it but when it comes to social media you don't even know if you're your posts or video or blow, you know, written LinkedIn posts or whatever is going to be seen by anybody. And that's one of the most frustrating things from a social media perspective. And yeah. Cool. I think we'll leave it there. I, I do want to be conscious of time. Um, is there anything, anything I've not asked that you're thinking about or obsessing about that you'd love to share just before we, we sort of wrap it up? I don't think so. I mean, my brain is just full of AI as everyone else's is at the moment. Yeah. I just, I think it's, we're all kind of work out like what we can do with it right now, but I think the really big, interesting use cases are going to be things we can't even imagine right now. I think the workplace of today is going to look very different in five or 10 years. So yeah, I'm just going to buckle up and see what happens. I think. <laughs> yeah. Buckle up and see what happens. I, I think one thing I would say, and, and I've seen this you know, people keep writing this post as them, you know, sharing this post over and over again. They say, oh, you know, you won't be replaced by AI, you'll be replaced by <laughs> someone who uses AI. Everyone keeps sharing it as if they've written it themselves, but I don't know who originally wrote it. I, I kind of, I ag agree with it to an extent, but I think that it misses the other, the, the deeper sort of message there, I think, is that and this is sort of, I, I think I, I'm more concerned for, for, for people who are in the marketing space is that what will happen, and I've, I'm already starting to see it happen, is that teams are getting smaller because people can work more efficiently. So it's not that you'll be replaced. It's that your company will literally become more efficient and reduce its size. So the, the thing I, I really push people to do is like, now you want to be the one who knows how to use the tools right now and see how it evolves so that you're not, when they're looking at teams and going, right, I've got a 10 person marketing team, but the reality is we could probably do the same amount of output with three. You want to be one of the three that's left behind. And, and, you know, now I think, you know, we're kind of in the investment side of space as well. The way companies our forms now will change because rather than like going right, a VC will typically give this size of pre-seed round or seed round because it's roughly going to equate to this many marketing people, this many salespeople, that's all going to change because businesses can be more efficient from the start. And, and so th that whole ecosystem of VC money startups is going to evolve as well. And, and, and that's, that's going to be super interesting to see how that plays out. But I think there's just no question that tinkering, experimenting, playing with these tools day in and day out is a pretty good use of time to, to make sure you stay on top of things. Cool. Thank you very much.
Appreciate your time.